0: If a real estate company wants to survive long term through all of the bumps and cycles that a real estate uh, company is going to go through in its lifetime, property management will be that reoccurring income that is recession proof, that will be the inventory that they can pull from, both from tenants and from property. <laughs>
1: Welcome to another episode of the Profitable Property Management Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Muela, and today I have Carla Brown with me. Carla, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having
0: me. This I'm super excited about this.
1: Carla, you are my first Canadian guest. I'm, I'm trying to be thoughtful here, but in person at least, yes. yeah, I think you're my first Canuck. So I'm excited to hear a little bit about the market and what's going on. So tell us a little bit about your business and your background.
0: Okay, my background. I... Uh, come from the real estate industry I worked with the century 21 organization in all different levels I actually started out as uh, coming into an o- to an office where um, there they needed some bookkeeping help because their bookkeeper was having eyesight problems and it was back in the day where people were using like paper ledgers and they did not have a computer in their office and I was like this has to change uh, so I started working in administration and loved the industry I loved everything about Real estate and the fact that every day was completely different. And so I just worked my way through all different positions. I always say I did everything in that office and I did. I just worked in every 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 different position. And uh, then I was um, got my license. I never sold full time. I sold a little bit just to get a feel for it and understand what our agents were going through. And then I was managing the office and um, brokering at that time. And this is going back into 2005. Mm-hmm. And um, the owners of the company, one of them was was my uncle. Uh, At that time, they made a decision to sell to a credit union. So they had um, six different offices in four different markets. And uh, the credit union approached them. They wanted to get into the business of real estate and they sold. So I would say it was a Conexus credit union was the name. They tried to Conexusize us. But what they didn't realize is that real estate is a very unique industry um, and you just can't Put it into a financial yeah. banking industry and, and tell everyone what to do and they're going to do it. Realtors just don't work like that. So it they changed leadership a couple times. It worked fine. I brokered for all of the offices in Saskatchewan. had had a good job. I had a really good job. Learned a lot about uh, governance and corporate life. And I learned how much I I really disliked it. Um, I learned a lot. But so I don't I don't ever I don't I, I love that I actually went through that journey. But I knew that that wasn't for me. I was entrepreneurial and not. Um, wanting to be in the corporate world. And then in 2011, they came to us um, on the real estate side and said, "Mm, we really don't want you anymore. So uh, we think that we want to just sell it all off. So my uncle, who soon became my partner um, in business, uh, we said, "We'll, we'll help you. So we went out and sold the different real estate brokerages to independent operators again. And then him and I and two others invested in one of them. And we ran that uh, for uh, five years. And about three years in, I was like, we need to expand this. We need to, like, everyone's calling us for property management services. We're not offering it because the trust conditions are so different. They're two different business lines. We knew that. I'm like, we need to do this. And my partners said, we don't want to do it. We, We just like real estate. And I'm like, well, I want to do it so they satisfied me and they said okay if we if we want to do it as a group fine but you run it we don't want to have anything really to do with it um they're just not interested to the to the partners were looking at retirements in a couple of years So it was totally understandable and uh so i thought well this will be easy i've been in the real estate industry for a million years now and i just gonna like start this property management company i'm gonna hire somebody and they're going to get a bunch of rentals, find tenants. I knew nothing about the property management industry and I totally disregarded how much you need to know. And um, so it was a struggle and a big struggle and it was failing. And a couple years in, I said, I was the operations, operating manager and broker on the real estate side of our company. I said, I need to lessen that um, responsibility and dive into what we could do in property management. And part of it was because I was so... I um, was so passionate about there was something there and yet no one else could really see it. And then part of it was because my partners said that they didn't want to have anything part of it that I just had to
1: make it work. Look, well, chip <laughs> on your shoulder. It's
0: like nothing like having that drive behind you when someone tells you you can't do something. So um, I was like, no, everything, I I, I can do this. this. I know I can do this. So I dove right in and all of a sudden it was like properties were coming to me. I was learning how to do this. Um, I, leaned, I leaned a lot on the U.S., and a couple people that I had met at a conference, at Real Property Management Conference at that time. And I was like, they've kind of, they feel, I feel like they got it figured out. And so I need to figure this out. And so I started introducing technology. I started realizing that it wasn't a realtor that I needed to run my business. It was a property manager, two different people. I needed to, I, I was very customer service driven and I needed that person who wanted to be that customer service long term relationship building type of person that we need in this industry. And it just started working. And um, and all of a sudden it was growing and growing and I was hiring people and I was having a lot of fun doing it. Um, and then I just lessened my responsibilities on my real estate side and let go of that when two of the partners retired and realized that the passion was running this thing on my own.
1: Mm.
0: That was very long-winded, sorry.
1: <laughs> you covered a lot of ground there. So one of the cliff notes or highlights there was your involvement with Real Property Management in Canada specifically. Tell me about that relationship, what the company does, number of markets, et cetera.
0: Right. So Real Property Management Canada, um, they are a separate entity from the U.S., um, but they they run, you know, very much. We use the branding, et cetera. And uh, right now there are 22 offices across Canada from one side to the other, um, they're operating at, they're all very startup. Like there's only like maybe three three of us that have been around for a number of years. A lot of them are still starting up and growing. So there's lots of opportunity to to get in in Canada to, to start to grow it. And what's u- unique about the uh, Real Property Management Organization in Canada is that it is owned by a family-owned uh, group, the Charwood Pacific Group that also owns Century 21. Uh, Centum Financial, uh, which is the mortgage brokerage arm of their business, and Uniglobe Travel, and so I look at the three real estate in st- three real estate brands that they own, and just think that this is such a unique opportunity in Canada to grow them together by utilizing all three brands and what they bring to the table. We essentially can help somebody on their housing journey from the moment they leave home to enter their first home, right until they no longer need a home.
1: What do people not know about the Canadian market? For somebody that's been doing this forever in the States, they've been to 50 NARFM conferences, been around the block. What would you not know or what might be somewhat counterintuitive about the market that you're in?
0: The the market specifically to the property management side mm-hmm. is that we are light years behind the U.S. Light years. And people say they just don't understand that. I mean, literally, we just walk across the border, right? But the, the business... Of property management, it has not matured to the level that it has in the US. And that's something that I'm extremely passionate about is like making this profession a profession. It's professional. People, and that's coming to the US and seeing all of you that have done it. It's like, yeah, like these people haven't figured out this is a real profession. This is a career. This is an industry. This can grow. This can make money. It progresses. It's innovative. It fits in so many different ways. And in Canada, a lot of it is. Uh, very small operators or realtors operating off the side of their desk that haven't understood how they could leverage technology. They figured they've taken property management as uh, collecting rent and fixing things, and I always say that's part of the management process. But what they don't realize is that we create wealth for individuals, and this is an investment. And I think my background on real estate is where that that's where that really comes from. is like I. I soon learned very early on in my early twenties that in looking at the real estate industry is that housing goes up every year normally. I mean, we've had some bumps along the road, right? But this is an asset that is almost guaranteed to give you a return every single year and what you can actually be building with it and your, you know, the passive income and the legacy that you can build with with uh with real estate. So that's where I like to think that property management isn't just property management, it's asset management. But trying to get Canada to understand that, um, I just keep talking. I just keep talking about it constantly. And, and people, their ears perk up and they, they get it. They say like, yeah, there is something here. So if you have uh, a real estate asset and you're also invested in the stock market or you have GICs and bonds, why wouldn't you look at that from a diversification uh, perspective and just have a little bit of everything and then move things around as things are performing better. Um, And that's where I get excited to show people what they can do with the real estate asset.
1: What about the complexity of the regulatory environment as compared to the US?
0: Uh, We're, well, I'm in California today as we're uh, speaking, but um, there's nothing in Canada that compares to California, thank goodness. Um, But the regulations in Canada would be a lot less for the most part, but we still have a couple highly regulated provinces and the interesting part is that we have some provinces with no regulations. So anybody can open up a property management business. There is nobody watching uh, their rent accounts. There is nobody um, watching what they're doing day to day. Now, they still have tenancy laws. So tenants will still have rights, um, but they have nobody that's actually regulating them as, as a property manager.
1: One mm. of the interesting things about the franchisee process, franchisee franchise work, where is trying to build a common culture of people that see similarly, share values, share ideas. And that's hard no matter what. Um, the complexity with franchisees is that they don't work for you, right? They're not, they're not employed by you. They have agency autonomy. That's the entire premise. What have you found works and doesn't work uh, in this journey of trying to get people together, pulling together in the same direction?
0: It, it all depends on how you're bringing them in. So it's no different than hiring staff. Uh, When you award a franchise, you have to go through a process. We go through a six step process that um, I've built with my franchise sales team that we need to get to know that individual and that individual needs to get to know us. Uh, We work on our home office team uh, from the franchise or level. I've put them all through traction. So it's very similar to what I've done in my own franchise. And we have core values, we have a core focus. And as we're working through that, those people have to fit in there too. If they don't fit, they're not a good fit for us um, because that has happened in the past and it doesn't work. And so trying to create, a franchise should try to create a very consistent client experience so that if you are in Toronto, Ontario and you have an investment property, or if you are in Kelowna, British Columbia and have an investment property, the service level should feel somewhat the same. It's not gonna be exactly the same. We know that that happens in almost every franchise, but we should be able to offer a very similar service offering. It should it should feel, from uh, the perspective of service, similar. And I think that's through the vetting process. We're very very careful. So lots of opportunity. We're looking at doubling in size this year, but that's only if those people come to the table that really fit that. And and it's the same as hiring. Like I said, the same as hiring staff. You they are a reflection of what you're doing, and they have to fit. And that comes from your core values as an organization.
1: Yeah, vision, values, those things are at the top. Policy is below that. Process follows. Talk to me a little bit about on the process side, how do you work to standardize best practices across the organization?
0: Yeah, well, uh, I was introduced very early on um, to uh, Lead Simple. Uh, We started in my own franchise. I've been using Lead Simple. Wow, Um, I should have looked this up. I want to say 2017.
1: For a minute now, for a while. Yeah,
0: on this obviously on the sales side, because that's where you guys started. And um, I was using it. And the minute operations came into play, it was like, this is what we need. I was using um, one, one year in my own franchise. I introduced four, four pieces of uh, brand new technology to my staff. They hated me. They hated me. I loved it because I love technology. I love innovation. I love change. They hated it. And at one point, I think in one meeting, someone raised their hand and was like, "If you, if you introduce one more piece of technology, we're all leaving." <laughs> like, okay, okay, we're only going to stay here. We're going to like master these four pieces, and um, and it was I I'll be honest, I, I know what it was. It was Appfolio, was Lead Simple, it was Reich, and it was Help Scout. And so to me, that was like. This is what I needed. I needed that base program. I, was, I tried four different property management programs, and none of them, none of them, to me, could do what I what I do in Appfolio right now. Just it wasn't leveraged to to that level. So moved to Appfolio, got Lead Simple going, very process driven. Um, that's how I think I excelled in my real estate company. Is that everything has to have a process? And how to my whole goal in in um, the real estate side was how do we make it so process driven that we make life easy for our realtors so that they can just sell and we can handle all that background stuff. And so that's what I really wanted to implement into the property management side. So Lead Simple was was huge. Um, and then as soon as operations came in, it was like See a Reich and uh, Inbox See a Help Scout. So I those two are the base program that that run us.
1: And philosophically, how do you think about process? How much is too much process, too little process? What's the sweet spot for how you guide and advise the folks you're working with?
0: Uh, I, I think it's, um, I never think that there's too much process, but I do think that you have to be careful that not everything is so black and white and that sometimes you do have to have a little bit of flex. I just call it common sense. Um, or instead of um, so much driven on policy which sounds so almost governmental i'm like let's just say it's a guideline so sometimes we have to flex on that a little bit then we then we can um, but we tweak processes all the time if we feel that they're not working and i think you know adding all of the contingencies that we can do now and the automation that we can leverage i think that has really helped because we're able to say well if it's this then we can do that we don't have to in you know, have to be so rigid because we can have that flex. logic yeah yeah um, so going back to your question, because I realized I went off on a tangent there. So Lead simple, we've created 20 processes um, that are standard across our offices. Now, the adoption of the existing offices has been challenging because not everyone loves technology and change as much as I do, but we're working with them. And it's not that they don't see the value. They all see the value. They've all turned on operations. Um, but they're stuck in getting started. So that's where we are really trying to figure out how we thought we worked with them enough, but it's like you still have to go and do it, right? So we're really trying to figure out that piece on how we can really help them get started to the point where they can really see how much more efficient their life is, how much easier their life is. But the ones that have done it Every one of them tells me it's been a game changer for them. And and it is. It's it's absolutely game changing. Even moving, you know, from Reich, which was was good for us, to Lead Simple. Um, my operations manager, she literally moved us through all 20 processes in my own franchise within uh 30 days. Mm-hmm. We had to we adopted all of them and moved over. And um she thought, oh, we'll do these two this month and these two. And once she got started, she realized no, this is, like, really going to change it, so we need to do them all. And uh, and we have, and I'm so thankful.
1: Mm, I love that share. Who do you learn from?
0: Yeah. Um, I le- I've learned a lot from some of the U.S. real property management um, organizations that I've met with.
1: Um, give, me, give me some names. I know these people.
0: <laughs> Josh, uh, Cassandra, um, T- are definitely two of, of my main loves. Um, uh, Chris Bell I've Mm -hmm. learned a lot uh, through him yeah and um, and they just have have been so forward-thinking and I've really loved that and the US has actually allowed me to be on their innovation committee like so they meet every two weeks and they allow this little Canadian to come in and and so I continue to learn from them even though a lot of what they implement I can't implement and a lot of it's just because we don't have the data available in Canada, but um, I still learn, and then my mind just keeps going on. How how am I going to do this? How can I implement this? How could I twist this in a different way that it's still going to be able to assist our offices to grow? Because we don't, you know, we don't have competition right now in Canada. There's not another franchise organization. Uh, sounds like that's great. It's it's a challenge. Uh, competition is good. Competition, competition sharpens you. Competition um, makes you look different to the consumer. And we can't always look different, if that makes sense. Um, And so not that I'm begging for competition to come into Canada. I'm going to take this opportunity that we don't have any competition right now and try to leverage that as much Mm -hmm. as we can. Um, But it's it's interesting. People think that it's a lot easier than what it is.
1: So you're talking about a problem of category. sounds like you're just you're highlighting that it feels like that the category of property management is not what you'd like it to be how it's viewed by the consumer doesn't lend itself towards the quality of service that you'd like to provide. Is that what I'm hearing?
0: Yeah. Thanks for articulating that way. That's I've never actually thought of it exactly as a category, but, um, but it's true when you talk to investors um, and the reason why they come to us is because they have no idea how to find a tenant or what is all involved, but they don't say to us, I'm coming to you because I need to come to a professional property management company because now I have an investment property. They only know like a piece of that. Like, I don't know vendors that I'm going to call or or can, um, you're just going to collect, you put the tenant in and you collect the rent, right? They don't understand all of those other pieces. So I feel like we spend a lot of time doing educating, which is great. Um, and in order to make them aware of that, but trying to change that in Canada and all the different markets Is really something that has to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, We try to do it through our. We I have a small podcast um, as well with um, a co-host, and we do um, just eight to ten minute segments um, every week. And it is all directed towards um, a landlord investor on if they're doing this on their own or not, um, what they should be looking for, how they can make themselves better. Because I think we have to. We have to make. We have to like hashtag be better Um, as an industry. We really do.
1: So the framing that you're talking about there is derivative of people having interest in the asset class itself. What's the general sentiment? What's the zeitgeist as it relates to how people think about investing in real estate in Canada? Is that hot? Is that of interest?
0: Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's really um, become a lot more common. Um, And a a lot of people are very excited about investing in real estate now. I mean, the the housing market um, interest rates, very similar to what's happening in the U.S. right now um it, that makes it things a little bit more challenging because what um you know what what does every investor want cash flow uh so they're you know they're they're leery about whether or not they can cash flow right away and so i try to educate them on that it's not about you know if you make a 100 dollars right now this is what you're going to be doing later on in life it's not all about like making hundreds of dollars right off the get go that's that's not even feasible in the beginning for the most, is trying to give them that education on what the asset can do for them long term. But as far as interest in, in real estate, investing in real estate, um, that is definitely a hot topic. Uh, a lot of investors from uh, Ontario, BC, moving into inner Canada, where I live, um, a starter house is $400,000. In Ontario and BC, a starter house is a million dollars. So, you know, coming into my marketplace and investing there, is a different going to yield them a lot differently than what it's going to um, in some of those higher places. A lot more um, developers. This is another thing where I think there's a huge opportunity in developers trying to understand the value of purpose-built rentals, which hasn't nearly taken hold to the level that it has in the U.S. Um, I read a lot about um, the U.S., about people coming in and buying neighborhoods and putting up single-family homes. I have not seen that yet in Canada. Um, I've seen, you know, some high rises and that's what we normally see for purpose-built rentals, um, but not understanding the value of what they could be doing with single family.
1: Mm -hmm. The guest I was just speaking to was absolutely doing that, that work in the developers paid for rent. Yeah, it's an interesting opportunity there. As you think about how your career has evolved, what motivates you and lights you up that transcends money, success? What what meaning have you found in this business for yourself that's bigger than just financial returns?
0: Yeah, I don't think it's um so much the the industry. I think my um my passion is really on um building efficiencies and helping people leverage what they have. So that's even that's from a business level from a property management, which is what led me to work with the national brand as well. Is I was very passionate about helping them. I was very passionate back in my real estate. Days about helping our realtors, and um, now it's more about what like helping people in different ways. So helping the investor um, build wealth that way, or just helping business in general. So people always say, "Why are you in property management?" It's not. It's I don't. I don't mean this in a bad way. It's not property management that drives me. It's the it's the business that drives me. Like being in business, building um, efficiencies, helping people. Long term, that's what really drives me. So, give me a problem, I just want to solve it for you. Like, no matter who you are, no matter what industry you're in, I, I would love to be able to try to help you. If that makes sense.
1: What about the people side of the business? When you think about your leadership style, the way you communicate with your team, what's definitional there?
0: Uh, leadership style is definitely team. Um, I've never believed in a hierarchy organizational chart. I feel we all are working together. Me as the leader has a different role than uh, say my property manager, if I talk about my franchise, my operations manager, but we work together on doing that. I learned a lot uh, years and years ago before traction became this common word that we all seem to be talking about. Somehow, I got introduced to the book and I implemented it in my own office and that's really been uh, been key. I think I'm just I think I'm a very open-minded leader. I love to listen to new ideas. I always believe someone has some has something to contribute to uh, to whatever we're doing, and uh, that we're doing it together. So the old saying: the bigger your dream, the more important your team. That's really the philosophy that I that I f- I feel I live by.
1: Yeah, I love that. I'm a big believer in that too. Who not how is another way to put it. You can back into it a bunch of different ways, but it comes back to people as being the central thing.
0: A hundred percent. And I guess when you think about property management, it is a people business. Right. And that's those that have um, figured it out and are succeeding. And by succeeding, I don't mean necessarily from a financial perspective. That's part of it. But succeeding in the way that they love what they do. I think they've figured out that they love people. And as soon as you don't love people, this probably isn't a good industry for you anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, um, that's where I see people when we're vetting them through that franchise process. It's like they just want to, they're getting into property management because they want to fix things. This is not a good industry for a, you need to work with a property management company if you like to fix things. That's not the reason to buy a property management company. Um, You have to love people. You have to be able to see that helping people is the way that you help yourself. And uh, that's, I guess, how they're gonna, how I see them succeeding.
1: Wow, this is cynical, but I gotta say, with that intro, I'm surprised you've sold any franchise licenses at all. That is not a, that is well, not a traditional value
0: problem. It's, it's true though, and and I'll go back when I first started working with um the the franchise or the franchise organization in Canada was in trouble, and I don't say in trouble from a financial standpoint because that's what people always think when you say trouble in business, but they were in trouble where they had grown to a level where they had a number of franchises, but they had zero systems and processes, and they didn't really know what they were doing with this thing. And they knew real estate really well, but like I already said, real estate and property management are very different. And I felt I'd kind of figured this out, you know, from my friends that I've met in the U.S. and, um, and what I was doing in my own office. So I'm a problem solver, so I put it in my hand and said, you know, I'd like to be able to help you. Like, what can I do to, to help you guys? And um, and I because I came from the real estate side, I also knew them. I knew this family already quite well. And um, they said, well, we would like you to help us. So I started working with them and like just a contract position, operational, doing some operational stuff. And then soon the the president of that was uh, the president of RPM at that time. And he was in a kind of a temporary position because he was also running one of the other brands. Uh, Him and I became very good friends. And he was like, all I need to really do right now is get out of your way. And so that's when they said, like, would you, would you lead it right now? And I said yes, and I don't know why I'm kind of hesitating as I said that now, but um, it's it's been interesting because there was a lot that I didn't know about that side of the business. I've, I've learned. learned a lot about the franchise side. So we really had to go back and figure out who we wanted in the organization. That's when I did that with, with the leadership team that I, that I brought into play at that time. And um, figured out, you know, the vision, the mission, the core values, the core focus, and then started to live by that. And we had to say goodbye to some people. It was like a year of really hard conversations Mm. because they weren't a good fit. We were never going to make them happy. And the worst thing you ever want, the the worst thing you want in in any kind of organization is people working with you that aren't happy. Mm -hmm. Right. So
1: you don't want to be there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's, um, you know, and for the most and now we have a really great group of people. But that's taken on almost two years to get there. Mm
1: -hmm. What's the biggest challenge in business that you've overcome that you're most proud of?
0: The biggest challenge I've overcome in business that I'm most proud of. Um, I, I think it would be the learning curve of property management of taking a business that I thought I knew and, um, didn't know it, it was not growing, uh, it was not doing anything and dove in and figured out that i can do this
1: when you say you thought you knew it was that basically like how hard can it be it was that sort of knowing because
0: i knew real estate so well and i treated it like a real like a a real estate transaction instead of understanding that this was a a, you know this is it's a long road it's not a short short road that you're on and that now not only did i deal with you know in, in real estate you deal with buyers and sellers now you're dealing with investors every month and tenants every month, and you—they're—they're they're just so different. And I—I I didn't know anything. I didn't know—I didn't know anything. Now that I look back on it, and—and um, and so when we look at, um, you know, people who transition into property management, somebody told me this that realtors don't make good property managers, and I never believed that until I actually lived it. So I think the biggest challenge was um, learning the industry, making making it successful and um, proving to my partners that it is actually a
1: business. Proving to your partners.
0: (laughs) Seems so bad, right? But I mean, you get motivation in all different ways. And for me, if somebody tells me I can't do it, I do do it. Um, Just, you know, you you meet those people. I'm one of those people that if if I want it, I know I can do it. I just have to figure out how to do it. But I would say that was probably the biggest challenge, is like really just making this business tick.
1: Mm. Yeah, makes sense. Proving your partner's wrong, it reminds me of the Michael Jordan documentary. Did you ever watch that? Yeah, was, that yeah. was great. Where right. he just says re- repeatedly in the documentary, he says, and I took that personally. Yeah. Which is another way of saying, <laughs> and I used that as fuel for the fodder, fodder. Yeah, no. just because I could. Yeah. And which I, I love my partners. I really
0: did. And it was nothing really negative about them, but it's like when someone tells you that it's not going to work or they don't want part of it, that just drives you even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or it certainly does for me. I'm not, it doesn't, it never, it never puts me in a, in a place where I don't want to move forward. I just like, if it can be done or if I can see that someone else has done it, then it can then I can do it.
1: Mm-hmm. So what is the pitch that you make to potential franchisees? What is it? What, what about this business? I mean, there's a lot of franchisors, right? Whether it's a new subway, subway sandwich shop or, A million different businesses. What about this specific space do you think is attractive enough to stand out?
0: Well, in Canada, this is interesting and I I can't speak to the U.S. uh, um, on how they're attracting franchisees. But what we have found is that just going to the general people who want to own a business hasn't been the best candidate coming forward to us. Um, and part of that is because of the the provinces that are regulated, it takes a long time to go through the licensing process. So they're a long ways away from really operating. Um, but we have found in, investors uh, come to us that um, are really interested, they, be, they are investing themselves. So they've seen the value of what the real estate asset can do. And so they're coming to us and saying, well, how do I make this more? So we've in the unregulated provinces, that's where we've really focused. And then in the regulated provinces, we're really focusing on the real estate brokerages and the property management companies that are in that small to mid-size or small starting to struggle. Um, if you have 50 properties, you can do that on your own forever. But if you have a 100 to 150, you can't do that on your own forever. And um, under trying to get real estate companies, so not real estate agents so much, but real estate companies to understand what they can do if they were to di- diversify and have a property management industry or co- company attached to them, running it differently, like we're really up front, like you got to run it through our systems and processes using our technology. And this is what it can do for you. Because as real estate has um, gone down in Canada, just like in the US, housing affordability is is there as well. I think property management, and I think actually, this might have come from the talk that Rob Hahn did last year in San Antonio at this at this conference when he talked about uh, property management being the inventory and that's never left my mind and it's like yeah if a real estate company wants to survive long term through all of the bumps and cycles that a real estate uh, company is going to go through in its lifetime property management will be that reoccurring income that is recession proof that will be the inventory that they can pull from both from tenants and from property that will never let them down. So that's the pitch that I'm trying to get across Canada.
1: So working with existing real estate professionals and highlighting this non-obvious durable opportunity.
0: Yep. Instead of just doing it off the side of their desk or their real estate agents doing it off the side of their desk or um, just doing lease-ups, you know, a lot of that goes on in Canada. Just the realtor is doing the lease-up. That's not in the best interest of the investor. Like incentivizing somebody to just go put a tenant in it that's not the best interest and and then they still get the calls from the tenant or the investor when something's going wrong and then it's it's a hassle. they don't want to do it and I don't I don't blame them. they have no process to do it. So um, injecting that whole division into their organization and leveraging what they can then be doing together and then like I said, how you could be working property management mortgage and real estate together using the data that's behind that. And now interject AI into all of that. I mean, it's mind blowing. I think what it could what it could do.
1: Hmm. What about the growth systems and processes that you work with franchisees towards? What does that side of the business look like in terms of acquiring and gaining new units to manage?
0: The growth, like the like how we manage to help them.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Okay, so uh, through um, onboarding and a lot of training. Uh, they're gonna, as a new com- a new brokerage coming in or a new office coming in, franchisee coming into the system, they're gonna go through our training. They're gonna understand our lingo, um, how we, what our value prop is that we're gonna present to the investor, and that's all gonna be driven through, um, through Lead Simple. We, they, that's adopted on day one. Um, our home office team uses Lead Simple actually to drive all of our processes internally as well. And so they, get, our new offices get very familiar with that. So they adopt our processes. They understand our training. Uh, we have ongoing sessions, um, monthly network calls, newsletters, like all of that stuff to keep them in tune with what we're doing. But the process is: here's the template. Let's work with you on who in your who in your staff is going to be doing all these things. And as a new franchisee, it might be them. But we say, you need to be doing all of these things. So let's put, attach your name to all of them within Lead Simple. And then we say, just allow that to be showing you what you need to be doing on a day-to-day basis.
1: What is most correlative of success? When you're bringing on new people in year one, if you could reduce it down to one thing, what's the one thing that you just know is is a early tell that they're either going to thrive or they're just going to be on a, the struggle bus?
0: Oh, this is going to sound so fluffy. So I hope, but I hope you don't cut this piece out. Okay, <laughs>
1: let's take a crack at it.
0: Okay. It's mindset, and I will tell you that I did not, I did not put enough emphasis on the value of mindset in business um, until about five years ago, when um, I, I myself really had to rely on making sure my mindset was positive when things don't go right or, or things are going wrong, and you're doing this on your own. Um, and so I, I work on mindset constantly. I kind of like bounce between like, it'll be um, a business book, a mindset book, a business book, a mindset book. It, um, I, I listen to things constantly, same all podcasts, you know, it's property management, it's mindset. I, I intermix them constantly. But when I am talking to a potential candidate, I, I am looking for those keywords um, in mindset on, you know, they can, um, it's just like simple things. It's like, I don't, you know, if they're, if they're pulling out all of the negatives, I can tell that's probably how they're going to be in business, that they're not going to be able to get over that. Um, so mindset is big. And probably my biggest mentor in life is was my uncle. He is Well, he, he still is. He's just not in business. Um, and he thrived on doing two things, and it was working hard and caring. And so I think that if you have the right mindset, you work hard and you truly care about the people that you're working for and with. Um, you're unstoppable. Mm. And so those are the things that I really look for in somebody. I could care less if they know anything about property management. Quite honestly, that can all be taught. The other pieces can't.
1: Give me your top two books on mindset. What's been impactful for you? Um,
0: well, the the last one I've just read is the, the newest Lewis Howes one. Um, so I think that um, the greatest mindset, is that what that's called? I can envision it. We'll
1: drop a link in yeah. the show notes.
0: Um, so... That one has been uh, pretty impactful for me. Um, And then um, about five years ago, I became a a huge Mel Robbins fan. So um, I I listen and read all other parts or other things on Mindset now, but she's probably been the most impactful when I picked up the um, the five-second rule. And I uh, started implementing that into my life. It's like when the days are hard and you lie in bed and you wake up and it's like one, a five, four, three, two, one, get out of bed. Um, and I, I did that for a long time. And then she wrote another one, the high five. And, you know, it's kind of fun, but uh, it wraps your head around things. It gets you thinking in a different way.
1: Yeah. You know, I, what I find is that you tend to find what you're looking for in business yeah. and in life in general. And if you're believing that your mindset matters Lo and behold, it does. And if you think it doesn't matter and you're indifferent and nothing matters one way or the other, you get to be right about that too.
0: Yeah. Someone else, another thing on mindset, which is really interesting for your listeners is because mindset just seems to be something like we're all talking about. That's why I said some people think it's very fluffy. But somebody introduced me to um, The Strangest Secret um, by Earl Nightingale. So we're going, this is like a 36-minute podcast segment you can find on youtube or on uh, any kind of podcast platform and it is um 36 minutes but going back into the 1900s and he talks about i I think it was i don't know he's 1930s or 1940s when this thing was um when he actually said it and it's all about mindset and if somebody actually listened to that every day for for a week it will change your life and you will realize that this has been around since the beginning of time mm-hmm. and yeah. that we do not in business often put enough emphasis on it. So, we, I have a, in our franchise system, I have a coach, a business coach that coaches our offices. He comes from a mindset coaching background because mm-hmm. I believe that is so important in business.
1: I'm a believer. Say it one more time. The, the secret, what was it? Uh, the strangest secret. The stang- strangest secret. secret. I'm gonna. I'll drop the YouTube loop. Earl Nightingale. I'm yeah. Earl
0: Nightingale, I think, is the name. I'm gonna send it to. you. I actually listen to it um, periodically just because <laughs> I think it's so cool. It's like, I'm gonna go listen to it
1: in the next 24 hours.
0: Then I want to know what you think about I'll it. I, I really do because it was like that. If it starts out and you have to realize it's going back, like back in time. So like the way he's talking is not necessarily how we talk today, sure. but the messaging is so cool. And it's like you can implement this, and it's like. I've every time I listen to it, you kind of like take out little bits and pieces. You know how you you hear what you need yes. at certain times, right? And uh, so, yes, I h- highly recommend.
1: I love that the best stuff in life is truly universal. The best stuff in life is not property management specific. No, the best stuff in life honors and reflects the total human experience, which has been around for quite some time.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: I love that share. Let's end it there. I appreciate you coming on. I'm excited to hear about what you're doing in your career and what you're creating and building and your vision for that market. Thanks for sharing.
0: Thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun.
1: Jordan here asking you, what do you got? What is a question you want to ask me? Can you stump me? Can you throw me something hard, perplexing, vexing, something you feel tied up in knots with? Throw it at me.